Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Quality sleep is essential for boosting energy, recovery, and well-being. So take your sleep to the next level with Sleep Number. With a Sleep Number smart bed, you can individualize your comfort level and enjoy a better sleep night after night. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now the Queen Sleep Number C4 smart bed is only $1,599, a saving of $300, only for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Your soul is a part of you that existed before you were born and that will continue to exist after you die. We are in this environment. We could call it an earth school. It's an, it's an environment of time and space and matter and duality and fear. That's why we incarnated. Incarnation is a dramatic act of spiritual responsibility. We are seeing this new consciousness emerging throughout the human species. The old consciousness was confined to the five senses, to what we could see and hear and feel and touch and smell. Consciousness required 300,000 years to evolve. This is emerging within three human generations. I ask all of you listening, have you ever yourself experienced with your five senses anything that is infinite? Have you ever experienced anything that is eternal? Welcome to the Inspired Evolution. I'm your humble host, Amrit Sandhu, and you're tuning in to a conscious conversation designed to help you grow. Our mission here is simple. It's for you to live your purpose, live your best life, live the life you love. This podcast is sponsored by Enthusiasm for Life, by great creation itself. To keep the good vibes flowing for myself and yourself, do us a solid. Subscribe to the Inspired Evolution podcast on YouTube the home of the Inspired Evolution podcast. Now sit back, relax, open your mind, open your heart to this conversation and stay inspired. Keep evolving. Welcome back to the Inspired Evolution. And we have with us today, Inspiring Our Evolution, Gary Zukav. Gary, how are you today? I'm well, Amrit. Thank you so much. Uh, it is such a pleasure to have you here today. For those tuning into Gary for the first time, he's the author of The Seat of the Soul. He's an American spiritual teacher, author of four consecutive New York Times bestsellers. He started in 1988. He appeared more than 30 times on the Oprah Winfrey Show. He has been an incredible impact on Oprah's life, and she says so herself. And he consistently discusses topics around transformation, um, human consciousness, and these are deep concepts that he presents in his book, The Seed of the Soul. I have to start by saying, Gary, I 
read The Seed of the Soul, it was actually recommended to me multiple times by people that are my mentors, actually, people that are running really inspiring organisations. Um, and they're very, I don't, I, they're, they're, their success is very 3D. It's very material. And for them to be referring a book like The Seed of the Soul, a couple of them caught me off guard. I was like, oh, we're having a conversation around soul. This is really amazing because the Inspired Evolution has a lot filtered into it um, around spirituality. But to notice some of these people um, recommending book a book to me that had the word soul in the title was really profound. And the tipping point was Vishen Lakhiani, founder of Mind Valley, very dear mentor of mine, was like, I'm reading uh, Seed of the Soul and I really think you should give it a crack. So I read it. And you asked me if I'd read it before and uh, before we started this episode. And yeah, I, I have. And one of the very interesting things I was aware of as I was reading this book, and I know this is going to sound interesting for some people to listen to, but I was reading the content, which is profound to say the least. But there was also like I was feeling a transmission as I was reading the book. Now, I'm not sure if that was intentional or if that was just my experience and I was in the right place at the right time to be receiving the wisdom that was in the book. But I've also known that The Seed of the Soul has done very well globally um, and has really met a lot of people in a really great place. Have you found, like, does that speak to an experience potentially that other people have had or is it just me that's had this profound experience reading The Seed of the Soul, Gary? You said we could talk about, we would talk about topics such as transformation and consciousness. Those are not separate topics for me. There's only one topic. And by the way, I'm not the author of it. So I want to say at the beginning of our podcast to everyone who's listening and to you, dear Amrit, um, I suggest that you not take anything that I say is so simply because I say it. And I suggest to all of our listeners now, that you not take anything as so simply because I say it, but rather see what you resonate with. And if you do resonate with anything, then experiment with that in your life. And I, I would go one step more. I would say don't accept anything that anyone tells you. They tell you, or because they've got a television show, or a podcast, or a congregation, or they've written a book. Take it inside. See if it applies to you. And if it does, Experiment with it. Use your life as an experiment. Um, that experience you had of transmission, I don't know what caused it in your life, but I do know that everything in the seat of the soul and in everything that Linda Francis, my spiritual partner, and I have written, have done, and all of our activities comes from the universe. I'm not the author of these things that I will share with you. I am the joyful bringer of a message that is beyond my, no, it's not. I enjoy it all the time. <laughs> Happy to be sharing it with you. I find it even the fact that you call Linda a spiritual partner, um, there's uh, quite a profound uh, reasoning behind that. Um, there are so many conventional labels that you've bucked um, to adopt a spiritual partner as 
the moniker for the relationship that you share with her. Can you describe why you've elected that as the term? Yes, again, because we learned what a spiritual partnership is. And a spiritual partnership, by the way, is a partnership between equals for the purpose of spiritual growth. And uh, what I've come here to share with you, among many things, is that there is a profound transformation that is occurring species-wide now. It's unprecedented and it's epic. So as you mentioned, there are so many people who are listening to your podcast who are drawn to something and maybe they can't quite define it or know what it is, but they know there's more. That more is many things, and they're actually all one. That more, start off with, is your soul. Your soul is a part of you that existed before you were born and that will continue to exist after you die. It's eternal, and you are not. You are temporary. I am temporary. We are all temporary. We are incarnations, parts of our soul. And we are in this environment. We could call it an earth school. It's an, it's an environment of time and space and matter and duality and fear. And these things don't exist outside of the earth school. But they are ours to learn from. That's why we incarnated voluntarily. Incarnation is a dramatic act of spiritual responsibility. And in it, we are seeing this new consciousness emerging throughout the human species. The old consciousness was confined to the five senses, to what we could see and hear and feel and touch, smell. The new consciousness is not confined to any of those things. We can call it multi-sensory perception. And the old consciousness, humans with the old consciousness experience power as the ability to manipulate and control. But multi-sensory humans have a new understanding of power, the alignment of your personality with your soul. Your soul is that part of you that intends harmony and cooperation and sharing and reverence for life. Now, the multi-sensory perception, Amrit, is a gift from the universe. It's emerging in hundreds of millions of us now. There are still more people that don't have it. We're not superior to them. It's just a temporary ebb and flow of evolution. But within only a few more generations, we will all be multi-sensory. However, the new understanding of power is not a gift that we don't have to work for. It is a potential, and we need to create it. That is authentic power. Authentic power is the ability to uh, distinguish within yourself between love and fear, and choose love, no matter what is happening inside of you, such as hopelessness, desperation, anger, rage, resentment, jealousy, or what is happening outside of you, such as a, a huge natural catastrophic event. There's different ways to look at authentic power. It's the alignment of your personality with your soul, as I just mentioned. And to do that requires work on your part. It requires you to find an experience in yourself 
every part of your personality that prevents you from loving and challenge it and move beyond the control of it. And as you do, you create authentic power in that moment. And I can give you some examples of this. But it's not an unattainable thing. It's real. And you were born to do it. Eventually, you become authentically powerful. question is when. When do you want to start? Well, it's not mystical. It requires only a couple of tools. Emotional awareness and responsible choice. So where would you like to begin, Amrit? I'm open book. Thanks for an open book. I am an open I am an open book, and I am yours. Hmm. I think in... Uh... A grounded place to start for the listeners is discernment between soul and personality because I think that was a really cornerstone um, approach for me to to realize that, um, yeah, just being able to, like you said, there is part of us that is temporal and there's part of us that is eternal. And coming to, I think, even cognitively recognizing that is one degree, but to actually feel that. And that's where the book felt like a transmission when I was reading it, the the difference between personality and soul. And it was so clear what you were articulating just then about the the five sensoriness, if I can make up a word, the five sensoriness of the personality, and yet the multidimensionality of the soul. Um, can you describe personality a little bit for us and soul a little bit for us? And then also, if I can leverage that question a little bit further to why is it so important to recognize that now in particular at this point in time? My goodness, you've got some good questions. <laughs> and you've wrapped several of them into one sentence. So let's, let's see if I can unpack some of that. First of all, you are a personality. Uh, to be in the earth school and to have a personality are the same. Now, some personalities are multisensory because they have the new consciousness, and some are not. They're both personalities. There's five sensory personalities, and there's multisensory personalities. You can see this in the world. It's quite easy. So what is multisensory perception? Well, let me give you some examples. If you've ever had the thought, which you have, and you've described probably almost all of your listeners have, uh, the thought is, I, I think I'm more than a body and a mind. I know I'm more than a body and a mind. That's a multi-sensory question. If you've ever uh, asked yourself or said to yourself, I don't think that the world is random. I think there's that there's meaning in it. There's purpose in it. That's a multi-sensory perception. Um, if you've ever had the thought, I don't believe that the universe is vacant, cold, merciless, vast, expansive, lifeless, except for a few maybe fortunate exceptions now and then, I think it's not that. I think it's alive. I think it's what. I think it's compassionate. That is a multi-sensory thought and perception. Now, 
question that you posed is, how do we bring this into our life? What does this mean? Well, it means that hundreds of millions of us now are in one way or another saying to ourselves, I will no longer be a part of the brutality that has characterized human experience. I will contribute differently. I will. Now, how? This is where the work comes in. This is where the transformation of your life begins. And it has no ending. But in the Earth School, we can call it the alignment of your personality with your soul. When you look forward to being with others because you connect with them. Because, let me give you some examples. Every time you have a painful emotional experience, for example, jealousy, that's all that's so painful, Uh, resentment, uh, anger, impatience, frustration, fear. All of those are expressions of fear. We can put them in one basket and call it the fear basket because they have commonalities. All of these expressions of fear, experiences of fear, hurt when you experience them. And when you act on them, they create painful consequences. Now, there are other parts of your personality that you also have. Your personality is not a monolithic thing that sometimes is happy and sometimes is depressed and sometimes is joyful and sometimes is despondent. No, it has many aspects. It's like a mandala. And you can distinguish between those that originate in fear and those that originate in love. You experience those that originate in love as Gratitude, uh, appreciation, caring, contentment, patience, all of the universe. And they also have commonalities. For example, they feel good when you experience them. And when you act on them, you create constructive, healthy consequences. Whereas when you act on a frightened part of your personality, you create destructive and painful consequences. So creating authentic power is learning to distinguish between love and fear in yourself, not in other people, not in the world, but in you, because this is where the work is done. This is where the transformation comes, and it happens now. And that is where the power is, in you, now. So the first step is to begin to become aware of where you are, not the other people, you, now inside. And that's where emotional awareness enters the picture. There's an implication in this that there is actually wholeness available to us. Um, It's not an implication, Amrit. This is what we are moving toward experiencing and using. This is not an implication. And what I'm sharing with you is not a theory or a thesis or a hypothesis. It is observation. And I hope that my observations, although they might not be the same as yours and cannot be because we're all unique, that my observations will be helpful to you. 
This is your observations are helpful to me. Mm. It is fascinating the the point of observation that we all hold as well as the universe looking in on itself. It's this real the curiosity that drives is curiosity a really fundamental tenet of the universe, given that we are all the universe kind of somehow folded in, looking in, wondering about ourselves? There's nothing that is fundamental more than anything else. The universe is. And not only that, this isn't in the seat of the soul, but it will come to you as you begin to explore creating authentic power. You are a unique expression of the universe. And the, the surprising thing that, may, that you may discover is how intimate the universe is. It's not like it's portrayed in Star Trek, which was my favorite series, where we go where no men have gone beyond to the farthest reaches that the Federation can reach. No. The farthest reaches are in you. They are not there objectively for other people to find. They are for you. You do not have a path laid out before you to find, follow, and lead you to discoveries. You create that moment by moment with your choices. Choices of love or choices of fear. Take a look at intention is primary. The intention of love or the intention of fear. And intention is a quality of consciousness. And that quality of consciousness that you hold when you act or speak infuses your deed and your word. If that quality of consciousness is love, then your words and your deeds are loving. And if that quality of consciousness is fear and doubt, that quality of consciousness infuses your deeds and your words. You pursue external power. You strive to manipulate and control. That is what every frightened part of your personality does. And every loving part of your personality is already aligned with your soul. Gratitude, appreciation. And so when you experience these, you are already in that moment aligned with your soul. This is not a mystical, never can be a reached enlightenment, heavenly. It is your path. It is you. You are a powerful and creative, compassionate and loving spirit. And the pain in your life is a measure of the distance between that reality and your self-image. When you have a self-image as nothing, as worthless, as better than anyone else, you are powerless. And we are talking about the creation of real power, alignment of yourself with the loving parts of your personality, which is identical with aligning yourself with your soul. You mentioned intuition in the book comes in various forms as well. There's an intuitive process, like you were saying, deep within us. Um, but then there's also intuitive channels. And you separate the two. One is like, I guess, cooking at home. <laughs> and the other one was ordering takeout. Um, can you describe dining out? Dining yes. out. <laughs> yeah, dining out. That's what intuition is. Intuition is the voice of the non-physical world. Intuition is your 
ability to access sources of compassion and wisdom that are beyond what we can share with one another. Intuition is like a radio station. That's what you were referring to. And this station can tune into, this radio receiver, put it that way, can tune into different stations. One of the stations might be uh, your own soul. Others might be souls that are in advance of you, of your own soul. Others might be non-physical teachers with a capital T. Intuition is at the heart or is very much a part of multisensory perception, which is not limited to the five senses. People who are five sensory experience intuition now and then say, darn, I just forgot the keys and I knew I should have taken them. Or the classical example is I, I, I knew I should have checked the tires on the car. I know I've got a flat and I knew I had to fix that. And Carl Jung called that synchronicity and it's one of those moments in life you can't ignore because it's filled with meaning, but there's no way to explain where the meaning comes from or how it got there. Well, when you're multi-sensory, your life is filled with meaning and it's always there, except when you're in the control of frightened parts of your personality. Then you are in fear or jealous or experiencing yourself as inferior or superior. And as you identify and challenge each of those frightened parts. You, you, you access the loving parts of your personality. Let me, I, I heard a story once about Michelangelo, the great sculptor. I, I don't know if it's true. Uh, someone asked him, I, I, I've been in Florence, Italy, and there's this beautiful statue of David, just as he's going to confront Goliath. And this statue is made of marble and it's 17 feet high. And when I looked at it, I couldn't believe that was marble. The skin was so soft. It was so, everything was real. That's, that was, that is the brilliance, the genius of Michelangelo. So someone asked him, how did you make that David, the David, out of marble? And the story I heard was that he said, I saw the David in the marble and I removed those parts of the marble that kept you from seeing them, that hid. The Quality sleep is essential for boosting energy, recovery and well-being. So take your sleep to the next level with Sleep Number. With a Sleep Number smart bed, you can individualize your comfort level and enjoy a better sleep night after night. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now the Queen Sleep Number C4 smart bed is only $1,599, a saving of $300, only for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. David. You are the love. And the frightened parts of your personality, by analogy, are the rock, the case that prevents that love from being in the world. The frightened parts of your personality, jealousy, resentment, inferiority, superiority, every obsession, compulsion, and addiction. And as you create authentic power, 
you experience each of these. You never repress, suppress, or deny an emotion. You experience it fully, and that's emotional awareness. We can talk about that. And that is the starting point of moving beyond the control of these parts of your personality. And as you do, their control over you begins to lessen until it disappears. And this is a good thing to do because I'm not saying that the universe looks in terms of good and bad things to do, but I know from my perspective, you cannot give the gifts you were born to give while you are in the control of a frightened part of your personality, while you're angry or jealous or competitive. And giving the gifts that you were born to give is where your meaning lies, where your purpose resides, where your fulfillment, vitality, creativity, and joy all are there. You can't do it. You can't experience these things from fear while you're in the control of a frightened part of your personality. Authentic power puts you through your emotional awareness, yours, and through your volition, yours, your free will, into alignment with the loving parts. And that is authentic power. My question was going to be along the lines of how do we go from five-sensory to multi-sensory and start to open up from personality to soul? And you mentioned emotional awareness is a massive key. So, yeah, I'd love to get your insights on that, please, Gary. How do we develop more emotional awareness? Imagine that energy is entering the top of your head, your body through the top of your head, and moving downward through you. And as it moves downward, it passes through seven energy processing centers. In the East, these are called chakras. But that's a Sanskrit term. And we are English-speaking. So I think energy processing centers is a more accurate way in English to express that. And as this energy passes through each of these energy processing centers, one here, one in your this area of your body, one in your throat, chest, solar plexus, uh, your genitals, and at the very base of your body, it's processed <clears throat> in fear and doubt or love and trust. It's released. Energy is released either in love or in fear and doubt. And when it's released in fear and doubt, you are losing energy. You are hemorrhaging energy. And it's painful, very painful. And when you are releasing your energy in love and trust, consciously, as you do when you're authentically powerful, it feels good. It feels wonderful. It feels natural, easy, exciting, vital, creative, completing. You already are complete. So emotional awareness is the ability to look in each of these energy processing centers and find what physical sensations are there. Not, I'm feeling good, I'm feeling bad, I'm up, I'm down, this is a good day, this is depressing. No, that is all emotional illiteracy. To be emotionally literate, you can look, for example, whenever you feel an emotion, Start with a painful one for our discussion because they're not only easy to feel, possibly not to feel. 
in, for example, your chest area and say, what, and look for what I am feeling there in terms of physical sensations. And by that I mean aching, throbbing, stabbing, stinging, burning, churning. And see where it is. For example, you might say, I have a, a stabbing, stinging sensation in my upper right part of my chest and a contraction running across my chest. And in my solar plexus, it's, it's a burning kind of sensation all over my solar plexus area. And in my throat, I have a contraction. It's about the size and oh, I'm just giving examples. It's the size, maybe a ping pong ball. And it's in the middle of my throat, uh, down toward the bottom where my throat meets my chest. When you can express your emotions this way, you are emotionally literate. Now, yes, there are many people who are convinced they don't feel emotions. Um, that's emotional ignorance. But we are moving toward developing the ability to be emotionally literate. And that's where emotional awareness not only comes in, that is the path. And while you're doing that, while you're feeling these painful physical sensations in your different energy processing centers, notice, oh, pardon me, notice what thoughts this frightened part of your feeling, of your personality is thinking. And they'll always be judgmental. Or, for example, oh, I'm so stupid. Or, oh, he's so stupid. Or, I'm never going to be as good as she is. Those are always the types of thoughts, judgmental and comparative, that frightened parts of your personality think. And when you're in that part, when you're in a frightened part of your personality, that's what you think. That's what you think. You think. You experience that frightened part. So while you are experiencing the painful physical sensations in your different energy processing centers and noticing the thoughts that this that you are seeing thought. That is a frightened part of your personality. Now it's not a theory anymore. You are experiencing it. This is what it feels like in this moment. This is what it's thinking in this moment. And what you can do in that moment is create authentic power. And you do that this way. In that moment, move your consciousness into a loving part of your personality as best that you can. Feel, go back to a time when you felt loved or loving and let your consciousness go there because where your attention goes, you go. That is the moment, Amrit, of creating authentic power. That is when it happens. And when you do that again and again and again, that frightened part of your personality begins to lose its control over you. And eventually its control over you disintegrates. And as it does, you become more able to experience yourself and the world from the loving parts of your personality, which means with gratitude, with appreciation, with caring, with patience, with all, all of the universe. This is our evolutionary path now. We used to be a five-sensory species that evolved by surviving and survive by 
pursuing external power, manipulating and controlling. Now, we are a multi-sensory species and we evolve by growing spiritually. And we grow spiritually by creating authentic power. This is our pathway. There's a massive takeaway in the book about how that power is rooted actually in deep humility. Yeah, um, what is? I'm, and there's hear. a whole chapter dedicated to reverence. Oh, reverence, and, yes. And I, I love the dynamic between humility and reverence because, yeah, if you can adopt humility, then reverence sort of is your perspective, I imagine, <laughs> right? If your orientation is humility. And I guess listening to you speak about at the core of the separation between some of these emotions that we're feeling, the judgment that filters in and reverence seems like a bit of the antithesis to judgment. Can you share the potency and the importance of reverence on our path? It feels, I don't want to use the word hack, but it feels like a great little shortcut <laughs> if we can find our way to reverence. There's no shortcut. Also, it's not a matter of finding your way to reverence, but creating that. Now, you talked about humility. In the books, I, I like to use the word humbleness. Sometimes people think of humility as lowering themselves beneath someone else that they really don't feel as though they're lower than, but they do that because that's humility. That's fear. Humbleness, humbleness is a humble person lives in a friendly world. A humble person knows that everyone's path in the earth school is as challenging and difficult as her own or his own. And so he appreciates everyone. Reverence is the, it's one of the intentions of the soul. Harmony, cooperation, sharing, and reverence. Reverence for what? For life. That's what's the capital L. Reverence is a state of being. Reverence is holiness. Um, reverence is seeing the holiness in everything. Not the, oh my God, here you are holy. I have no, it's none of that. If you just see that you are holy and the person you're talking with, in my case, I'm talking with you and I'm talking with all the people who are watching this podcast now. And Reverence, holiness, love, joy, they're all where you are going if you choose. Even if you don't choose now, you are going there because that's our evolutionary path. But if you understand it and there's anything that I'm saying to you resonates with you, then experiment with it. Transform your life from an experience to an experiment. And you are the experimenter. 
you also mentioned one of the keys was emotional awareness and the other one was um, a, respons- a responsible choice. Can you expand on that? Because in the book you say responsible choice is the conscious road to authentic empowerment. Uh, well, let me, yes, but let, let me be more specific. A responsible choice is a choice that creates consequences for which you are willing to assume responsibility. Whoa, okay. So when you are experiencing a frightened part of your personality, a painful emotion, you'll find, you have found, you know very well in your experience that a frightened part of your personality is magnetically attractive. It's righteous. It's always right and righteous. If you're angry at someone, it's because you know that person's wrong and you know why he's wrong and you're going to tell him why he's wrong and explain it to him until he agrees with you. That is a frightened part of your personality. Because you have done that before, every frightened part of your personality is known to you. You have known what it's like to be jealous. You've known what it's like to be inferior or feel superior. And those two can flip, by the way. And these parts of your personality are internal dynamics. They cause your painful physical sensations, not the world. The world activates these internal dynamics and they cause the pain in you. This is why trying to change the world to relieve yourself of the pain is futile. But when you turn your attention inward, away from the external world and into the internal dynamics that are creating your painful experiences, and you trend, and you change them, that change is permanent. That's authentic power. When you pursue external power, the best you can do is uh, a bit of happiness for a while. Say you want the girlfriend, yeah, gotta have her, or the guy. And then you get the girlfriend or the guy, and you just feel euphoric. That's romantic love. And you're at the top of a roller coaster. And then the guy or the girl says, I've been thinking about this and it's not working out. And I don't want to be with you anymore. In fact, I found somebody else who's the person I want to be with. And now you go all the way. You plunge down to the bottom. Before a few moments, you were happy. That's happiness. Happiness is dependent on the external world. But when you create authentic power, you experience joy. And joy is not dependent on the external world. It's it's like a flame that you ignite in yourself. And as you begin, you might say that flame is a little one, like a candle in a cathedral. And you need to feed the flame. How do you do that? These are the things that we've been talking about. By the way, um, Linda created a a beautiful uh, handout called, and and they're little, Plaques, laminated pieces, the authentic power guidelines. She just created them. She's brilliant that way. And you can find them on our website, thesuitablesoul.com. And by the way, for those of you who don't know, Linda's soul returned home to non-physical reality a year ago. 
So we have just now put on our website uh, the support team, which is our co-creators that we really enjoy co-creating with. <coughs> Meet once a year physically in Ashland, Oregon, where I live, we live. And we were. this was two months after Linda Soul went home, so we were still jolted and in this thing called grief. By the way, there's no such thing as grief in itself. Grief is the experience of a frightened part of your personality. And you can challenge it the same way you do any frightened part of your personality. But that's sort of on the side. We decided to make a video about Linda. And it was so deep and so rich and so raw and so real. And we decided um, to make that available um, this last month, the year after Linda Soul went home. First, we did a private showing to our mail list. And then two days later, we put it on the website for everyone to see. And while I was going, while I was experiencing this, the return of Linda's soul home, I started writing personal messages because I wanted to share what I was experiencing in real time, not reaching for it into memory in the future. And I asked the team to put those on our website too. So when you go to seatofthesoul.com, go to the menu, and under resources, the first link says Linda Francis Celebration Series. And those are the 11 personal messages. If you're drawn to them, I hope that you'll take a look at them and see what uh, what they mean to you or what they can open in you. I know for me, Linda's departure from the earth, the departure of her soul, was huge. It was as huge as my meeting her. And that was huge, huge, because my life transformed. I couldn't love before then. I didn't even know what it was. But I know that when I returned home from the hospital without Linda, the pain was beyond what I could imagine. I didn't know pain existed like that. But I set the intention to myself, I am not going to squander this pain. I'm not going to squander one drop of this pain. It's too big. It's too immovable. It's... It's there. And I know, because I know the universe well enough that this I'm sure of, if it's in my life, it's for my spiritual growth. And I suggest that to you and our listeners. Whatever it is, if it's in your life, it's for your spiritual growth. We live in a compassionate universe. And everything you experience, whether it's the joyful birth of a child or a painful death by cancer, it's for your spiritual growth. And everything that you experience serves the purpose of bringing the consciousness of your soul into the awareness of your personality. So I set this intention. There was nothing else to do with this pain but to be there because it was there. And a few days later, as I was sitting in the looking at some trees, and I realized something new about myself. I don't have any reason for living now except to love people. I would have said that before. And I thought it might have been so before. <laughs> but now it is. 
And that was the first of several large transformations in my life. And they're still going on, Amrit. They're still going on. That's why I'm so delighted to share this, all these things with you. Um, and Linda has always been with me. Um, we have had teachers, like all of us have, for all of our lives, well, all of our lives together. And about two weeks after Linda's soul went home, was the first time I could bring myself together enough to, to, to meditate, to try to communicate. And I, I was talking about the love that Linda and I had. It was so light, so easy, so complete, so everything. And we knew it was special. And then I was musing, and all of that focused on one precious beloved. And the teacher said, now let that love encompass all your beloveds. Let it encompass everyone. So I asked, why am I hurting so much? And the teacher said, because frightened parts of your personality demand that the world be different than it is. That has nothing to do with your love for Linda. Your love for Linda is beyond the earth school. Co-create with her. Now, this teacher has never told me to do anything except once before in my life. He's always shown me things I didn't understand before, illuminated things so that I could see them differently and use them in a good way. But he said, co-create with her. That's proactive. That's positive. That's a direction. And so something came up in me at that moment. Uh, it's just like the ocean coming up. And through tears and sobbing and snot and, and laughing, and these words came, I will co-create with you, beloved. I will co-create with you. I don't know how. I don't know how the book that I'm writing now will fit into that, but I will co-create with you. And whatever said this, Amrit, said it with all the volition available to it. It was complete. I will do this. And Linda said, the book that you are writing now, beloved, will be the prelude to what we co-create. Those are the first words she spoke to me after her soul went home. So, when you look at this video of Linda that we made for about Linda, it's to show, to demonstrate. It's not a memorial service. It's not a eulogy. It's not a wake. It is a celebration. That's what we're doing. We are celebrating. So when somebody tells me now, oh, my father just died and my child just died, I still feel an impulse to say, oh, I'm so sorry. But I don't know. I say, I'll celebrate their life with you. And when you do that, you'll see a remarkable transformation on that person's face as a new way of being with their experience appears before them.
it struck me when I was reading about your relationship with Linda also that you were in love with Linda, yes. And then you made the interesting, very interesting insight that what the love did for you, like you loved being in love with her. And I think that's quite a profound distillation of awareness. I think many of us are seeking someone to love. And then with the recognition of, oh, I'm loving who I'm becoming through having this love is is much more intimate and it's much more it's closer to home in some ways. Can you expand upon that a little bit? Yes. I didn't realize it at the time. I just knew and Linda knew that our love was special. In fact, I'd never loved anyone before I met Linda. And it wasn't as though I loved Linda. I loved loving Linda. I never experienced that before. And she had so many things in her life that led us to see that this was something unusual going on with us. And we followed that for 30 years. Um, I set the commitment to explore the plumb the depths of intimacy. And because I was a, still had some of the lingering addiction to sex, that meant, oh, heaven of sex all the time. It's not that. It's not that. Intimacy goes so far beyond that, so much more fulfilling, so deep. And what I learned after Linda's soul went home is that the love that two people experience between themselves in nerve school is a training experience for the love that is the universe. And so that love is real. Um, it is the universe. It is. Well, the universe is, you can't say it is, but we can try. We can say it is consciousness with a capital C. It is life with a capital L. It is love with a capital L. And you are that. You know, I could scarcely believe when I was told that, that I am the universe. It sounded so narcissistic, so solipsistic, so off the scale of derangement. So then I started to think, though, when the Buddha became enlightened, he said he saw worlds as numerous as dust motes, each with a Buddha and a path to enlightenment. And what I saw is that everyone is a unique expression of the universe. Um, the Lakota, which is part of our culture, adopted culture, the Lakota say the center of the universe is everywhere. And I have a friend who has been a clergyman for 
60 years or more. He's 92 now. And I asked him, Cliff, is there anything in Christian scripture or theology that indicates that the universe is in me? And he said, yes. The kingdom of heaven is within you. Not you. He said, the kingdom of heaven is within. And I began to see open to the possibility that there's something in this. That the teachers who've been guiding us so accurately with laser-like precision when I come with any question are not simply stopping that now and going off the deep end somewhere saying, you and everyone is a unique expression of the universe. As I began to open to that impossibility, I began to see that it also opens to responsibility on a scale that I had never considered before. Really, what am I responsible for? My unique expression of the universe. And the teachers clarified that. They said, you are not responsible for the universe once you understand it's inside you. You are responsible for your choices. So this is a picture that's emerging. It's more than a picture. It's an experience. It's a life. And I love sharing it with you. And I love sharing it with the people who are listening to us now. Because it's not my story. It's our story. We are all becoming multi-sensory very fast. That's why all of your listeners, viewers, know there's something, something. What is it? It is a transformation in the consciousness of our species that is epic and unprecedented and happening with a velocity that is unimaginable. Five sensory consciousness required 300,000 years to evolve. This is emerging within three human generations. That's faster than a heartbeat. That's faster than an eye blink from evolutionary time, from that perspective. But it's happening. It's happening now. This is the most exciting time it's possible to be alive because we are standing with one foot in one world and one foot in the other. And with each choice, we're required to choose between them. And that's the choice between love and fear, between external power and authentic power. And there's no judgment. We don't get sent to hell if we don't choose right. We don't get sent to heaven or rewarded if we choose right. There's not a right. There's not a wrong. There is cause and there is effect. And whatever we cause, we experience the effect. What more exquisite learning environment could anything or one or intelligence or consciousness than divinity create? There is no judgment here. There is experience, and we choose our experience because only we can. Only you can. Only you can choose when someone offends you or betrays you or cuts in front of you on the freeway, whether you will speak and act from love or fear. And that choice will shape your consequences. 
And that choice will come to you again and again and again, because this is the Earth School. It is very inspiring to feel into what you have shared in regards to where at the end of a 125,000 year cycle, within that we're at the end of a 25,000 year cycle, and within that we're also coming to the close of a 2,000 year cycle. And like you said, we've got one foot in each world. It sort of seems as these cycles come to a close and an end and another opening and um, gearing up and towards potentially an enlightened collective with a whole new set of patterns as opposed to what was running the old. And you are currently sharing a lot about consequences. Is that, um, can we take that home as the awareness around what karma really is? It is karma. Hmm. What you create, you experience. What do you want to experience? Do you want more of that? Do the same. Create more. Do you want something different? What do you want different? Do you want to be lighter? Do you want to enjoy yourself? Do you want to, not in a hedonistic way, but in a deep way? Do you want more creativity, vitality? Do you want more connection? That's where fulfillment is. Your interactions with one another, our interactions with each other, put it that way, form the substance of our spiritual growth. The question that begets me from there is, we're in this earth school and we, well, the, the, with with the concept of karma, this concept of attraction sort of drums in right behind it. And would you say that again? With um, with the concept of karma, the the concept of attraction, sort of a magnetism. You use the word magnetism earlier. We sort of draw like experiences to like choices, and um, yes. But then I find sometimes that if we're in this earth school, are we also here to, like, you know, we, we, we learn some challenging lessons as well. So how much of those are potentially constructed by what our soul is here to learn versus what we've also... All of them. All of them. <laughs> All of them. Interesting. Remember my uh, disclaimer at the beginning. Yeah. Uh, and attraction, the law of attraction... Is simply that energy attracts like energy. Yeah, like attracts like. Yeah. I was. I needed to kill at one time. I was so angry. I thought I was cool. I thought I was really admirable. I was riding motorcycles, doing drugs, looking for sex, always wondering about the monthly miracle of event. I enlisted in. Well, I went to school. I went to Harvard, and after that, I enlisted in the army because I wanted to be in the army. Because I've always wanted to go to the heart of whatever I'm doing. And uh, the military, for me it was jet fighters, but my limited vision with my eyes prevented that. So I went to the army. And the heart of the army is the infantry. It's not the clerk. 
and the heart of the infantry later became for me the Special Forces Green Beret. Now, the point of my telling you this is that in those times, I liked what I was doing. I was angry. I was superior, feeling superior. And I was drawing to me people who felt the same. Now I'm drawing to me people like you, people who are watching our discussion. That's the law of attraction. If you want to see what you're attracting, look around you. It's there. In other words, <coughs> I come from the Midwest of the United States. And just, and just on the other side of Kansas is Missouri. And the, Missouri is known as the show-me state. You know, that every, it's got something they, every state has something they put on their license, car's license plate. So the old way of thinking is, I'll believe it when I see it. That's only. But multi-sensory humans know something else. They know, I'll believe, I'll see it. And I believe it. So is the universe vast, merciless, vacuous, cold? Or is it alive, wise, and compassionate? What are you going to believe? One of those beliefs comes from fear, and one comes from love. Which you're going to experiment with. I would suggest everyone has a belief system. And I would suggest that when you choose your belief system, you do your best to choose one that doesn't have fear in it. And the belief system that I'm suggesting is that the universe is alive, wise, and compassionate. And it's your choice. A five-sensory person will say, no way, Gary. Uh, this is the way the universe is. Look. We've got radio astronomy. We've got a probe on Mars. <laughs> That's a long way, Gary. It's a long way. And not only that, Kepler replaced Ptolemaic astronomy in which people were convinced that the Earth was the center of the universe with a more practical and realistic and accurate perception of the earth as moving around the sun. Well, five sensory humans are limited by the five senses. If it can't be seen or tasted or touched or heard or smelled, it doesn't exist. And that includes with assistance. No one has seen a particle interaction between a muon and an electron, for example. That takes an electron microscope. It takes a bubble chamber in a particle accelerator, like one at CERN. No one has ever seen the larger limits of the universe. We use words like eternal and infinite. But I ask all of you listening, have you ever yourself experienced with your five senses anything that is infinite? Have you ever experienced anything that is eternal? And you won't. And yet, I suggest to you that the universe is infinite, it's eternal, and it's beyond all of that. 
completely beyond. The Buddhists have an interesting saying. It goes from the Heart Sutra. It's gate, gate. Paragate, parasangate. Gate is the Sanskrit word for beyond. And they're describing someone like the Buddha. And what they're saying is beyond. He's gone beyond. Paragate. He's gone Way beyond. Parasamgate, completely gone. Bodhi Svaha, awake. Now that's where we're all going. <laughs> and it is not something that I can describe or you can describe or anyone can describe. So what do we have? We've got our experiences here in the earth school. We've got the way that we relate to one another. Is it love or is it in fear? We've got our experiences that show us what relating with love creates in our life and what creating with fear relate creates in our life. We've got choice. The universe does not burden us with a destiny. What are you going to do with your choice? Are you going to experiment with it? Or are you going to say, no, the universe isn't wise, compassionate, and alive? Star Trek showed me that. Or are you going to say, well, what do I feel about that? do I really feel? How do I resonate with that thought? And then follow that. Experiment with that. And enjoy yourself. (laughs) Enjoy responsibly. Choose responsibly. (laughs) Enjoy responsibly. Yes. People think responsibility, like I did, means do the dutiful thing the thing that's hard to do, the one that no one else wants to do, but I'm responsible for it. No, it means you're responsible for what you create in your life for you. And if you create a life of caring and loving for other people, that's the spiritual path. The spiritual path. Spiritual means having to do with your soul. And the intentions of your soul are harmony cooperation, sharing, and reverence for life. Gary. (laughs) Ian, thank you so much for sharing yourself so abundantly today. I, yeah, it's not lost on me. Just, like I said, reading your work, experiencing you here today once again there's a there's a there's a there's a shift there's a shift that you're speaking to that is occurring there's a shift that is experienced in the moment when being illuminated into the awareness that is potentially of what is going on or not potentially actually our potential and what is going on right now for us as a collective as well it's it's really inspiring and for you to take the time to again you know author your books share yourself abundantly you know <laughs> honoring lim <laughs> just so much beauty Love and you. yeah Love. really thank you so much for sharing yourself and also yeah for your lifetime's worth of work that informs this you know hearing all the parts of your life that you've been through to ultimately come to the realizations to be able to share and then pen them and put them in the books for us to be able to experience these wisdoms and insights 
I'm just really, really grateful, obviously for having you here today, but then also for the book that you've written and just the person that you are, yeah. Thank you for this invitation, Omred, and for sharing your family that's on your podcast with me. It's an honor. You know, I speak about the Earth School, but it's holy. It's powerful. It is the densest form of energy, but it is sacred. And what happens is it in it is important. It's huge. It's where you shape your experience, where you, we experience the difference between love and fear and set a course that is guided as best as we can do it by love. And if we can't do it in the moment, we get another choice. The same choice, love or fear. Thank you, Amrit. I'm so delighted to be with you and to meet you at last. Thank you so much for your blessings. And uh, yeah, I would love the opportunity in the future again to dive in deeper to this concept of the Earth School and what we're here to learn, if that's okay with you, in another podcast. I'm really excited to to yeah, to unpack the conversation further. Thank let's, you so much. Let's do that. Let's do that. I accept your invitation and and we'll go as deeply as we possibly can, which, by the way, is not hmm, like a miner. <laughs> We're going deep into the coal mine. There's gold down there. Deep is just a way of saying love. Mm, I love that. It's forward to real. <laughs> awesome. We look forward to it. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for tuning in to this amazing episode of the Inspired Evolution. Without you, the Inspired Evolution tribe, this podcast would not be what it is today. Thank you so much for your love and your support. Thank you so much for being so inspired to evolve. It's truly inspiring. If you haven't already done so, please subscribe to the Inspired Evolution on YouTube, the home of the Inspired Evolution's video podcast. We release inspiring conversations such as this every week, along with guided meditations and empowering insights all designed to help you grow and evolve. Honestly, your subscription on YouTube to the channel helps us out a great deal. And one of the other benefits, if you're having any insights or shifts from these episodes that you want to chat about, or if you'd like to leave myself or the guest a message, please do so in the comments on YouTube. I truly look forward to hearing from you. And as always, Tribe, remember to stay inspired and keep evolving.